Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Roy won't take no or no comment sitting down. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You can follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show and emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. You can listen back to anything that we air or download it on our podcast. That's on the Roy Green Show page on the websites of any of the chorus radio stations which carry this program. There's a court case underway in British Columbia. The federal government is spending major taxpayer dollars arguing the government has no social contract with the men and the women of Canada's military. The lawsuit began when Stephen Harper was prime minister, and it continues with Justin Trudeau in that role. We spoke with members of the lawsuit and their lawyer just a couple of weeks ago. Major Mark Campbell is one of the former CF members suing Ottawa. He lost both legs in an IED ambush in Afghanistan. So again, the federal government says it has no social contract with the men and the women in uniform. We don't owe you a thing. You know, we have our plans for you, but we're, we, don't have, we don't owe you anything. Essentially, that's what they're saying. I want you to hear about Private Leah Green today. She died just a few days ago. And I'd spoken about Private Green with Sergeant Major Barry Westholm, retired some years ago. Barry was in the military for more than 30 years. And uh, he became a friend and an advisor and protector to Private Green, and he's with us today. Hi, Barry. Hello, Barry. Yeah, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah, just uh, I'll ask you to tell us about Private Green in a moment. Also with me is uh, Cassandra Desmond. Ms. Desmond's brother Lionel, a retired corporal in the Canadian Forces, was battling PTSD and post-concussion syndrome following a tour of duty in Afghanistan in 2007. Corporal Desmond, in January of this year, took his own life. His wife, his mother, and his daughter were also found dead. Corporal Lionel Desmond was always described as a kind, gentle, giving, and funny man, Yet after his tour in Afghanistan, his terrible stress, his post-traumatic stress disorder and post-concussion syndrome were not properly treated in his home province of Nova Scotia when Corporal Desmond sought help. It wasn't there for him. Cassandra Desmond is with me. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, Roy. How are you? I'm good. I'm, and thanks for joining us today. And, and, and absolutely condolences to you and your family on your terrible loss. Thank you, Ray. And Barry, condolences uh, to you and the military family on the loss of Corporal Green. I, I know there's you wanted you want to tell us about the corporal, and she she wanted her story to be to be uh, shared with Canadians. Uh, yes, Roy. Uh, she had the the feeling long time ago that she was going to end up deceased, and that she was going to be um, ending up that way at the hands of the military and the support systems that were intended to support her. So um, during our long conversations, I knew her for quite a few years. Uh, she asked me if that should ever uh, come to be to tell her story. So um, that's part of the reason why I'm here today is to do just that. Mm-hmm. So so tell us about her and, and, and what, what, what we need to know. Okay, Roy, well, um, 
First, thanks for having me on my show. I'd like to start by sending my condolences to the Green family. My thoughts have never been far from them, and they're focused on them now for sure. You know, uh, one would uh, think that over the years, the steady stream of service uh, member and veteran-related tragedies would have been enough to send the government and the Canadian Armed Forces leaping into action to address them. And certainly, if not by the stream of tragedies alone, then most certainly by the tragedy of the Desmond family in Nova Scotia, which I believe impacted all Canadians. Um, and, and this being the case, too, I'd like to thank Cassandra Desmond for coming on your show. Her family is giving so much already uh, that their continued effort in speaking to, about their trials uh, to me is nothing less than a heroic. Um, so getting to the point here, the situation that the Green family faced did not have to be. And in order to uncomplicate their situation for your listeners, most importantly your civilian listeners, I'm going to begin with an analogy. I'll only take a couple of minutes. Sure. Okay, uh, picture, if you will, an enormous brownstone building with very few doors on it, but an adequate number of windows for those inside to see out. That building is the Canadian Armed Forces for the purpose of this analogy. And the two doors on it I'm going to discuss today are the in and the out doors. Now, before you can use the indoor, you have to take a battery of tests. And if you pass, then swear an oath. And with that oath, and this is important, Roy, willingly suspend your chart of, Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Then, and only then, can you venture inside that building. Now, once inside, you'll find a unique and separate society awaiting you, a society with its own rules, its own clothing, its own accommodation, its own gyms, its own shopping centers, air, sea, and land transport, its own communications, Roy, its own language, its own health care system, and very importantly, too, its own laws, its own police, its own courts, its own judges, its own schools, and the list goes on. All of these are there to focus the soldier on one thing and one thing only, protecting that area they just left outside the building, the area known as Canada, and with that, it's civilian society. Mm -hmm. But before the recruit can participate in military society, they must first be indoctrinated so that they can fully understand and function in it. This indoctrination is the first of many a soldier will take over their career, and it's known as basic military qualification, or better known to the civilians out there as basic training. At basic training, the Canadian Forces expends a great deal of time, money, and effort in breaking down the civilian individual and building up a military team member, complete with the military skills and the mindset required to kill another human being which is, once again, this is very serious stuff, and they take it very seriously. Only when they pass this rigorous training, anywhere up to 13 weeks, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, are they permitted to move into the military society. And once there, they receive combat gear, their weapons, and continuous military and skills training throughout their careers. They will also use those skills when called upon, whether in war fighting, aid to civil powers, keep peacekeeping, or what have you. However, military society is an unforgiving one. So if you won't or can't do what they ask of you, or like, so for example, if you don't have a proper haircut or your shoes aren't polished properly, then you face immediate corrective measures. They do not mess around. It's very strict, and it's strict for a reason. If you become injured to a point you can't physically or mentally be on a battlefield, then you are sent out of the military society, and that's the second door of this massive building I'm going to touch on. The outdoor of military society provides little preparation for what awaits the soldier once they pass through it. All that D and reconstruction that they went through at basic training that was built upon and honed through them throughout their careers remains firmly in place just prior to departure. In many cases, soldiers stand in front of that outdoor not fully understanding what's waiting for them on the other side. And just before they depart, they return their combat gear, return their weapons, they're taken out of uh, stock of, and their processing out is concluded with hopefully a ceremony to mark their departure. 
And with that, out they go, basically as soldiers in civilian clothes, or what we call veterans. The Canadian Forces are aware there's a problem with the system, and they have been directed for years, actually over a decade, to maintain contact with ex-soldiers to such a time as they fit in civilian society. But when a veteran looks back at the building they left, that great big brown building with all the windows, they'll find that all the blinds are drawn and no one from the Canadian Forces is providing that oversight. They are alone, less one organization meant to assist them, Veterans Affairs Canada, or VAC. VAC is situated almost exclusively outside that large building called the Canadian Forces, and a great many of their employees don't understand those they are meant to support. In many cases, they are downright scared of them, as can be seen by the amount of security you'll find in a VAC office. And, Roy, there's more security in a VAC, VAC office than you'll find in a bank. Wow. In, mili- in military society, they speak in acronyms and shortened phrases. This is part of the special military language. They do this to keep the speaking to the minimum and the activity to a maximum. So when a phrase like contact weighed out is heard on the radio, everybody knows what exactly is happening out there, and that means basically the enemy has been engaged by friendly forces. The soldiers also train not to abuse military resources. If they request something, they damn well better need it, or they may be punished, or worse, cost lives. This being the case, they only make requests when it's absolutely necessary, and when the request is sent, those on the receiving end move with equal urgency because they know that that request is serious and well-founded. Many civilians and fact staff don't understand this part of the military mentality. So when a veteran such as Leon Green or Lionel Desmond request help, it's not to be taken lightly. They do so as a soldier. These soldiers have been trained a certain way, and they are not untrained on release. They expect, then, a certain response. When a veteran asks for assistance in a, in a hospital emergency ward, they don't make this request lightly, but only after great consideration that it is truly urgent. And they expect the same response they would have gotten the Canadian Forces because that's how they've been trained. They do not expect be told to sit in a waiting room for six hours or call 911. But that's what's happening. And that's part of the reason we have another tragedy. The CAF is not fulfilling their responsibilities in the transitioning out of soldiers. And then posterly follow-up in Veterans Affairs Canada is ill-prepared to understand their clients and meet their needs. And that pretty much is the backgrounder for, I think, what's happening in a lot of areas, Roy, certainly in dealing with Leah Green, uh, Veterans Affairs Canada, were very lackadaisical in dealing with what was obviously an urgent situation. Uh, and over and over again, I told them, this is a very highly complex, critical case. You've got to move. And right. basically, they didn't. Well, we can talk about what they didn't do in a, in a minute, uh, Barry. And thank you for that in really incredible insight into what being in the military is like, what it means, and what happens when you leave that, uh, that building. Cassandra, as you listen to Barry describe what, uh, and Barry's also living with PTSD, and we owe him so much because he's fought for this country for more than 30 years and and and, and fought for the, the rights of, and continues to fight for the rights of, of veterans and for for active yeah. military. Cassandra, as you're listening to, uh, to Barry, you're thinking of your brother, you're thinking of what, your brother who left and then the brother who came back. What are the thoughts that came to mind? You know, uh, just listening to Barry and as he's describing those in and out doors, you know, and uh, based on our previous conversation earlier today that we had, you know, as I explained, like, my brother, when we seen him, like, you know, he come home and explaining, like, you know, I want to go into the Army. Like, as he described my brother as the happy-go-lucky, gentle person that he is, like, he was such a people person and just loved people. 
we just didn't see him as going to like the army, like you know. Mm-hmm. And but that was his dream, and that's what he wanted to do. And you know, just having other honorable veterans within our family, he felt that that was his call. Mm-hmm. So we respected that, and that's what he wanted to do, and that's what he did. It wasn't long after, you know, that when he went in, did his training, signed his oath, like Gary, like uh, Barry explained there, you know, the indoor, he went through all that, the basic training, and did all that, you know, and then he come home after all that, and it's, I'm going to war, I'm going to Afghanistan, you know, and then just seeing him go there, and when he come back, he was a total different person, like, you could just see, like, there were days where, like, he would be that happy-go-lucky guy that we knew, but then there were days where it was like, you know, what's going on here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and he had just, he had severe PTSD. Yeah, yeah, and just not knowing all that, and then coming to, like, you know, the knowledge of that, and finding that, and just, you know, just seeing him as he was, and coming back and everything, it just wasn't the same. But then we didn't really realize until the tragedy had happened and then we took on, like, you know, basically his case ourselves, and, like, getting to know this knowledge and to find out what went wrong and what had happened. And at the end of the day, everything just leads back to my brother being one of those people that fell through the cracks because of Veterans Affairs. Let me take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask um, you, Cassandra, and... Uh, and, and uh, Sergeant Major Westholm to just talk about how your b- brother, Cassandra, and how Private Green Barry fell through those cracks and, and how they could have been, in fact, um, saved from falling through the cracks at Veterans Affairs Canada done the job that they should do. And keeping in mind that we have a federal government that's in court arguing, and this is so hard for Canadians to understand, arguing that the federal government of Canada has no social contract with its men and women in the military. We'll come right back. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Sergeant Major Barry Westholm and Cassandra Desmond are my guests on the Roy Green Show. Uh, Barry, when it comes to Leah Green, what was she battling and how did the system fail her? Well, Leah Green was, was a victim actually of the system. The system rode, rode over her and her family like a, a tank. Um, the JPSU um, from the beginning was understaffed, undertrained, under just about everything, and that was the unit that was designed to transition people smoothly out that outdoor and hang with them for a little while out on the civilian side of the, the fence to make sure everything was going smoothly and that, that things were going well for them as a civilian and that Veterans Affairs Canada was providing the necessary uh, benefits and support. And if they weren't, they could, they could go and tell Veterans Affairs Canada, listen, our soldiers out there, civilian now, needs your help. You've got to go help them. None of that's taken place. They undermanned it to a degree where it became dangerous. And the people that went through it, rather than being helped, many, 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 left quite hurt and bewildered, and standing out there in that beautiful country called Canada, bewildered. Leah was one of them. She was just trashed about, asked for help constantly, uh, had people offer it to her, and the only obstacle to getting that help to Leah was Veterans Affairs Canada. And that was just only a month ago. Are you surprised that she's, that she's gone? No. She, made, she convinced me that 
this was going to happen sometime. She, I, I kept arguing with her. I said, you know, Leah, what you're dealing with, you're dealing with an overtasked system, and you're basically good people. And she goes, oh, no, Barry. She goes, not to this point. She goes, you watch what's going to happen to me. She said, they're out to get me, and they want me dead. And, I, of course, I didn't believe her. And as time went on, the amount of things that happened to her, and I hope there's an investigation into what happened to her, I, I came around to believing what she said. Yeah, I listened to one phone call. I wasn't impressed with what I heard. No, there, there's just a bureaucratic quagmire, yeah. and the veterans get stuck in it and drown. Yeah, and you were part of that call. Yes. Yeah. Boy, I, I mean, I, Representing her interests. It's surreal. Yeah, because yeah. I say uh, I've got, I had to record some of these calls because I didn't think anybody would believe me. Yeah. When I'm talking to VAC, the response I get. So I do have those. Yeah, and I, and I have one as well. Cassandra, did you have any sense of what was really happening to your brother as, as he was spiraling downward with this PTSD and, and not receiving the help that, that he needed? It wasn't really until, like, like I said, like, you know, like, we noticed a change, like, in him and his characteristics and the person that he was, like, you know, when he come home and stuff. Um, but it didn't fall to us until, like, you know, the last final months, basically, of his life. And what I mean by that is, like, seeing the downhill spiral, like, we've seen, like, the effects of it because, like, you know, he basically was growing tired of crying for help and looking for help and just taking all the routes that he possibly could think of and, like, you know, know of to go and basically uh, not being able to get the help to the full potential of these people that were trying to help him because of the fact that they needed certain records and stuff, which falls in the hands of Veterans Affairs Canada. So his records were who knows where, and... And so he couldn't get the help that he required. And if he'd had that help, he might still be alive today, probably would be alive today. I, I was, Correct. And I do believe that. And, and Barry, if, uh, if Private Green had received the help she required? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put another, uh, another uh, look at this. Leah Green did have all the information provided to VAC. I provided it. Mm-hmm. They had briefings that were pages and pages long based on my historical connections, including doctor statements, psychologists, uh, therapists, all stating this was a critical, critical case, mm-hmm. and she still couldn't get support. So here's, so, the, here's the final question for you then, because, uh, and we're, we're going to talk about this. I'm, I'm going on a little vacation, but when we come back, we have to talk again. Um, are there others? Are there other um, Lionel Desmonds and, and Leah well, Greens well, out there? What I've said to the Canadian Forces since November, they have to now look back at everybody that's released to the Joint Personnel Support Unit, mm-hmm. who was released injured from the Canadian Forces, find them like they never should have let them go anyway. They were supposed to uh, maintain contact, reach out, have back reach out backwards to find these people and see how they're yeah. doing and help. Yeah. Barry, thank you for everything you've done. Cassandra, uh, again, condolences to you and your family for what you've had to experience. You're very brave uh, to come and speak out and speak on behalf of other veterans who are maybe slipping through those cracks, and I I hope we can speak again. Well, Roy, like I said, you know, uh, we need to stop the cries for the help. You know, something needs to be done and change needs to occur, and I'd be damned if I'm going to see another situation or a tragic situation like my family is facing still to this day occur to another family because... Veterans Affairs Canada allowed another honorable soldier fall through the cracks. We'll talk again. 
We'll talk again. Yeah, Thank you, Cassandra. Thank forces, you, Barry. The Canadian You're forces up. need leadership, like Cassandra just said. Yeah. That's leadership. We'll talk soon. All okay. the best. Thank you. Bye-bye.